Hello, and welcome to the Broadway Binge Podcast. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Hannah. And we are going to tell you the history of American musical theater by reviewing and ranking all of the most important musicals from Showboat to today. Today, we'll be talking about Damn Yankees. Opened in 1955 with music by Richard Adler, lyrics by Jerry Ross, book by George Abbott, and Douglas Wallop, based on a book by Douglas Wallop, directed by George Abbott, produced by Frederick Brisson, Robert E. Griffith, and our friend Harold Prince, and choreographed by <laughs> Bob Fosse, a real all-star group. True. So, uh, Hannah and I today, to get ready, watched the Damn Yankees movie. This musical came out in 55, but the movie is from 1958. Extremely faithful. Every single major cast member from the musical was retained for the movie version, with the exception of the guy who plays the young baseball player. But other than that, everyone's the same, so pretty faithful. Uh, Hannah, what was your relationship to Damn Yankees before this episode? So I really came into it super cold. I'd never seen the show. I didn't even really recognize any of the music. Um, so my only encounter with Damn Yankees is watching this version of the film. So unlike a lot of our previous uh, musicals, just coming in super cold. What about you, Jeremy? Yeah, I'm, I'm in exactly the same boat. I barely knew about it at all. I knew that it was Fosse. I knew that Gwen Verdon was in it, uh, mm-hmm. who would eventually marry Fosse. And I knew it was, I I basically knew the premise that it was a Faustian bargain about making the Yankees lose the pennant to the Washington Senators, I guess it is. Uh, So for those of you who don't know, it's an old man who's a huge Senators fan, uh, decides to (laughs) take a deal with the devil, except the devil is uh, going incognito as a guy named Mr. Applegate. And uh, the deal is that he, the old man, will turn into a young baseball star who will help the Senators win the pennant in exchange for... Joe Hardy's soul, except there's like sort of an escape clause, and if Joe Hardy wins enough, then he can get out and go back and become an old person once they win the pennant, and once the devil realizes that Joe Hardy's going to succeed, he has his temptress friend, slave, Gwen Verdon, aka Lola, Mm -hmm. go to try to tempt uh, Joe into not getting out of the deal, but uh, actually, Lola is tempted by Joe because he is such a great guy. And Lola and Joe help each other out and beat the devil. And it is surprisingly similar in structure to Adler and Ross's previous musical, Pajama Game, but better in every way. I would agree with that assessment. <laughs> um, wait, Hannah, I remember we were talking with Kate in the Peter Pan episode about a mm-hmm. Broadway children's album that we all had. Did you own that album? Oh. I think so. Was there a Damn Yankees song on it? Yeah, you gotta have heart. Do you remember it from that yeah, album? Yeah, okay. I sort of do. I feel like my parents always skipped that one. <laughs> For good reason. Yeah, sure. I mean, all right. So, like, I mean, we should get into it. Damn Yankees was interesting because I expected nothing from it, right? And so, in always, it exceeded my expectations. But it also, there's something about it that felt like really sitcom y. You know what I mean? Like, there was no, like, standout moment or standout number. It was just sort of like kind of a charming wash, you know? Yeah, I I agree, but in it was charming in a different way from Pajama Game, which it, for one thing didn't charm I me, agree but I with guess that. It, it did charm people at the time. But this doesn't only charm; it's also weirdly experimental. Dare I say? Yeah. No. Okay. So great. Let's get into it. I was sort of confused by it because maybe it, maybe this is just me being simple minded, but like I've never conceived of a musical about sports in this way. <laughs> Um, it just feels like the demographic is pretty strange. Like it, it makes me think about the ways in which, uh, musical theater intersected with pop culture, I guess, because like, it would seem pretty odd now to have a musical about 
sports teams. You know what I mean? Like, that's just like a cross-section of, I don't know, Americana that doesn't usually intersect with musical theater, right? Like, am I being simple-minded about this? I, I agree, and it's weird that it is a musical about sports, maybe the only successful mm-hmm. musical about sports I can think of, but if you look at yeah. the poster, and it, it should be in the um, description, mm-hmm. the info of this podcast, the poster is a picture of Gwen Verdon wearing like a lacy corset right. and in a seductive pose, and it's just, it's like the musical has no idea what it wants to be about, but to yeah. its benefit. It's just like throwing, it's throwing stuff at the wall and a shocking amount of the stuff actually sticks. Yeah, it's sort of right. You have this like weird seduction plot that's like, you know, for sure pretty offensive. Um, But then you have this like plush, like devil world with all this purple lace. I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts just about like the weird bedroom where Applegate and Lola hang out. Um, And then you have this sort of like folksy love story, hometown hero thing. Um. Yeah, it didn't know what it wanted to be. I was really confused by it. And and also, you know, I know that this film was faithful to the show, but like I had found myself having a hard time envisioning what it looks like on stage. Yeah, it's more than maybe any musical, movie musical I've ever seen, and I mean ever seen, including to the present day. The director made a lot of interesting and weird filming choices. Like there was a lot of weird yeah. split screen. There was like animation there was at one point the devil's reminiscing. This is my favorite song in the show. The devil is reminiscing mm-hmm. about the good old days because now he's being thwarted like by just like some. <laughs> he's being thwarted by random kid Joe Hardy. But once upon a time he was causing pandemics and you know destroying whole countries at war. And he's reminiscing about it, like reading a, a picture book of his past exploits. And there's like, there's like video across the bottom of the screen the director is taking a lot of interesting chances and yeah um, there's like projection design essentially right yeah um, like, i'm gonna play a the... little bit of, of great yeah let's get into that or you, you you go you go ahead what were you gonna say was no that just i want to know was that part of the staging on stage like it's sort of like a weird projection design we have this moment where applegate who's essentially the devil is reminiscing about um yeah, past conquests, and he's talking about, like, Napoleon, he's talking about the French, ter- the reign of terror in France, and there's all these little, like, video clips of other, yeah. essentially, like, other tyrants, and I, I don't know, I was like, what is happening? <laughs> well, you know, I, I was I was just talking about, like, I'm so impressed with the director of the film, but looking at it, the film was directed by George Abbott as well, who also directed the musical, hmm. so he came up with all these ideas for all these weird film techniques he wanted to use, so it wouldn't surprise me if he also did stuff like that to the extent he could in the stage version, because it was the same guy thinking of these ideas. Right, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, it's funny, because I look at it now, and I'm like, what the hell is projection design doing in this show? But maybe at the time, that was super avant-garde, I guess? Yeah, I mean, George Abbott is known for being one of the all-time great Broadway directors. There's sort of him, and there's Prince. Like, Hal Prince and him are, like, the two big names. You could also say that um, Jerome Robbins and Fosse are the other two big names, but they're sort of choreographers, so right. it's a different story. Um, I'll, so I'll play a little bit of those of the good old days. We're sort of going unusually out of order with the music here, but we both love the song, and we're sort of talking about that scene. So this is Mr. <laughs> Applegate, who I, I think he's by far the best part of the show. Um, let's play a little right, song, and then we'll talk We'll talk about him. That's not a hot take. Hannah, you have to stop saying that. <laughs> you keep calling things hot takes that aren't I don't think takes. it's a hot I mean, for me, Lola was my favorite part of the show, and uh, call- Joe's wife. What's her face? I mean, but calling him the best part of the show is not a hot take. He won the Tony for Best Actor that year. That's it's not a is hot take to say he's the best. 
It is true. I found him to be very toxic. Okay, play the song. Yeah, but it's not it's not a hot take. It's like a regular take. Okay, I'm gonna play this. It's a regular. It's a it's a lukewarm take. Yeah, we we need to stop overusing the word hot take. I have some friends who listen to this podcast, and they've started like every time they text me, they'll say hot take colon and then send me the text that like they Mm -hmm. otherwise would have sent, which isn't a hot take, just to like make fun of the fact that we overuse hot take. By we, I mean you. uh... Right. I mean, I just, I feel comfortable with my use of hot takes, but, um, heard and, uh, I'm willing to grow and learn based on your feedback. Okay. I'll play this song because I really like okay. it. All right, Joe. Say things to me, Meg. We've had our little joke. Things about us. Oh, what this about is the literally not the right song. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I'm from time to time depressed... And a trauma wells and swells within my breast. I find some pride deep inside of me as I fondly walk the lane of a memory. I see Bonaparte, a mean one, if ever I'd seen one. And Nero fit thing through that lovely blaze. Antoinette, dainty queen, with her quaint guillotine. <laughs> Those were the good old days. All right. Okay. So that man is named Ray Walston. Um, if you have seen the South Pacific movie, he also played Luther Bills in that. Uh, and. Oh. Which was, he's the one who, like, goes out in the sort of inner tube into the middle of the ocean, and it's like, you know, the comic relief character. Um, he's a great character actor for, in musicals, I think. Like, like what, like I had never heard of him before South Pacific, and now I think he's maybe my favorite 1950s character actor. Can't sing that great, but he gets the job done, and he did win a Tony for this role, which I think was very deserved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's very charming. I mean... I don't know. It's an interesting take on the devil, right? Like the devil's sort of like a folksy con man, I guess. Does that feel correct? Yeah, yeah, like a hustler kind of, like sort of like a Harold Hill from Yeah Music exactly. Man, but less effective. He's like really bad at being a con man, and he keeps letting people get away with stuff that he shouldn't, and it's yeah. really funny. I mean, okay, so I had a hard time rooting for him, but that might just have been like where I was at when I watched this movie, where I was like this guy and he kind of has like a hooker problem i don't know like i didn't i didn't love his relationship with lola she's that seemed rough to me oh, i wasn't rooting for him i was totally rooting against him but i i just loved every second he was you there. enjoyed him yeah okay because especially that. because you know he's never gonna win and he always gets like the worst of every single encounter it makes him right. not as much of a threat and it makes his threatening behavior towards lola not seem as threatening because you know he's gonna lose because he's so hapless yeah that's fair i didn't like when he was yelling at her but i hear that that he's like hapless and ineffective and that's sort of part of the charm yeah okay well before we get like too deep into this analysis we've sort of already uh have have taken a dive off the cliff um do you want to talk a little more about like the history of this musical or its place i am coming into this pretty cold so i feel like it would be good to kind of touch on some of that Yeah, sure. So, I mean, usually we focus a lot more on the sort of historical impact and what the deal is. (laughs) But with this show, it's sort of this pair. uh, So the pair of Adler and Ross, 
the only two musicals they made together were Pajama Game and this musical because unfortunately Ross died of a lung disease six months right. after the show opened. Super so, quickly. Yeah. And they sort of came up under uh, Frank Lesser, who did Guys and Dolls and uh, How to Succeed in Business and those things. And it's it's rumored that Frank Lesser wrote some of the music for Pajama Game, actually. It's not rumored that way for this show, because at this mm. point, Adler and Ross had really sort of figured their business out. So the novel, uh, this was based on a hit comedic novel by Douglas Wallop, who was one of the two writers of the book, along with George Abbott. It was called The Year the Yankees Lost the Pennant, basically the mm. same plot. Um, it was a popular book, popular songwriting team, so they just adapted the book. It wasn't really, there was no like secret gimmicks or plot twists that I can really tell you about behind the scenes. I, I own a bunch of um, history, Broadway history books that I use in studying for some of these episodes. I'll just go in the index of each of these books and see how many times the musical's mentioned in the book. So I went through like multiple different books to see how many times Damn Yankees was mentioned in them, and there's like basically nothing of substance because there's nothing either historically or critically about this show that really affects shows in the future. It was just a good show, and that's mm-hmm. all it was. I mean, you could disagree that it was a good show. I don't think it's that great. I, I think it's more that I was expecting it to be Pajama Game and was pleasantly right. surprised. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah, it's short. Sure, continue, continue. Yeah, but so I, I don't really have much to say. It had a really long run. It ran for 1,019 performances, which was not a record. I think the record at that time was like 1,700. We talked about My Fair Lady in our last episode, even though that actually came out after Damn Yankees. My Fair Lady had a run of 2,700, so like that is going to blow like the water out of these other older musicals. Mm-hmm. But um, 1019, good run, successful. It's had a lot of success in high schools and things. Any high school that can get away with the seductive Lola character. Um, right. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's it's just like a musical that's there. And if you were making a list of musicals we're talking about, you probably wouldn't have chosen it. But like, you sure. know, it's, 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 an important, <laughs> it's, it, it's an important musical along the way. Yeah, no, I hear that. And like, for me, what's interesting about it, right, is that actually that it's like it's sort of a normie musical. You know what I mean? Is that rude? Like, yeah, it, it no. Just, it, it, it's unlike some of the other stuff we've talked about in that, like, I don't think it, it, it to me, it tells the story that, uh, you know, Broadway musical theater was just a huge um, inherent part of like pop culture at the time. Like it wasn't a huge jump for them to be like, oh, we'll make a musical about the Yankees. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, and maybe it was just a different time, and so like a different crowd of folks were approaching musical theater. But for me, that was sort of the way in. Um, this film actually reminded me a little bit of um, Fever Pitch. Have you ever heard of it? Fe- I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. Okay, it's a rom com that came out. I don't know, roughly 10, 15 years ago, starring Jimmy Fallon and Bill. Uh, excuse me, and Drew Barrymore. Um, and it's about like a love. Uh, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a rom-com about uh, a guy who's overly obsessed with the Boston Red Sox. Um, and that becomes like an obstacle in their relationship. And it weirdly reminded me of damn Yankees. Uh, and I don't have anything else to say about that other than like, it was interesting to watch this film with that rom-com in mind. I don't know. It just, yeah, that's like a, a movie I watched as a kid and I would have never thought of it as being fodder for musical theater. And then I watched Damn Yankees and I was like, oh, right, we used to make musicals about all sorts of things because musicals were such an important part of pop culture. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Like this this musical just sort of feels like it's made for normies, as you put it. Like, just, Yeah, is, is that rude? <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. Um, 
like I like this musical, so like I guess I'm a normie as well, and I don't <laughs> think it's insulting to normies. I mean, now that you guys have heard, if you have listened to the mini-sode where we rank our 10th through 6th favorite songs, you know that this is not my favorite type of musical. I much right. prefer more recent modern musicals, but like I can appreciate this in a way that I couldn't with Pajama Game. I appreciate sure. the audacity of it. I appreciate how high concept it is. I think yeah. it might be the most... It's definitely the most high concept show we've talked about yet and it's one of the more high concept musicals i can think of period yeah i mean for sure mapping like like a mephistopheles story onto a sports narrative is weird yeah and yeah um should we talk more about lola we haven't really gotten yeah let's get can we like listen to some of her songs yeah i'll start with her very first favorites great let's start with that i enjoyed that song quite a bit actually Yes, this is A Little Brain's A Little Talent. One of the few mm-hmm. changes from the musical to the film actually was, I guess she like thrust her hips out, like pelvic thrust in the musical, but okay. in the movie they thought that was too suggestive, so she just like moves her what? hips a little bit, which I think still suggests the exact same thing, so I don't really know yeah, who they're that's... trying to fool. Okay, great. <laughs> Here we go. There isn't a homewrecker on my staff better than you, Lola, but this fellow is this stubborn. Ah, come on, Chief, you know I've got what it takes. Don't make me brag. I took the zing out of the king of Siam. I took the starch out of the sails of the Prince of Wales. It's no great art getting the heart of a man on a silver platter. A little brains, a little talent, with an emphasis on the latter. Okay, so that's I enjoy that her song. first song. Me too. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it doesn't hold up great <laughs> today, but um, still one of my favorite parts of the show. Like, I really enjoyed Lola, I will say. I thought that her performance was really spunky and super fun and weird and surprising. Yeah, I... So her songs aren't, like, musically that interesting, either this one or whatever Lola wants, which we'll play soon. But they are fun because of her. <laughs> because, I mean, Gwen, Gwen Verne's such a star. You're more likely yeah. to know her, you random person out there, for, if you've listened to the original Broadway soundtrack of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, but she is just so electric and so engaging uh, yeah. that you can't help but... Just like her whenever she's doing anything, whenever she's singing. Even when the song isn't that great, it's just a showcase. It's a vehicle for her, and it works for that. Yeah, she's super charming. Her voice is really buttery. She has like a almost an I Love Lucy vibe, uh, which is really just yeah. me thinking about the red hair. But yeah, um, yeah just like eminently watchable. Um, a really good dancer also worth mentioning. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's why she got cast in this role, because of her dancing, and that's mm. why she had such a strong partnership with Fosse, eventually a marriage, right. and then even after their divorce, they still stayed very close, just because she was sort of his muse, and uh-huh. there's a song later on, um, uh, Who's Got the Pain, when mm-hmm. in the movie, it is her and actual Bob Fosse dance together, it's very similar to Steam Heat from Pajama Game. The song, mm. they just randomly put on a benefit concert in the middle of the show <laughs> just to give an opportunity for Fosse to choreograph a really great dance. Yeah, Steam Heat, I thought, fit much better with the actual show that surrounded it. This one, I really don't understand 
I mean, the song is just totally out there and unrelated. I, even within the song, I don't understand what they mean. Like, who's got the pain when they go, right. eh? Like, I don't, I don't actually know what they mean. Like, do you know what they mean? No, I was a little bit at a loss, to be quite honest. Okay, I'll play yeah. a little bit of that song. And this is totally useless without the dancing, because this is just a, a dance number. And again, not as good as Steam Heat, in my opinion. But I'll play a little bit of it, just so you can understand, like, th- this is weird. So, like, it's it's put on... Like, Gwen Verdon, at this point, she's fallen in love with Joe, even though she's supposed to be seducing him. So she joins his fan club and puts out a benefit for the team's fan club and just picks out some random guy who happens to be Bob Fosse to do a dance with her for the Joe Hardy fan club. And Natural. it doesn't... Yeah, so here we go. Here's who's got the pain, just a little bit. I don't know who either, do you? I certainly don't, Jeremy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure, like, a very, like, thinly veiled attempt, or excuse, rather, to uh, have a hot choreography number. Was it that hot? I don't know. I wasn't into it. I thought their outfits, like, looked kind of bad. I agree it wasn't particularly hot, but, um, you know, I don't know, by their standards. Yeah, like, I've literally watched Steam Heat on YouTube just for fun since seeing the Pajama Game movie, and I hated the Pajama Game movie. But Steam Heat <laughs> is that good. This number is like, eh. Eh, yeah. as they would say. Yeah, yeah, eh. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I don't know. I mean, the whole world of the show is a little confusing for me, to be honest. Like, <laughs> I'm thinking about, about thinking back about, like, Oklahoma, right? Where even though it's literally, like, a cowboy town, we still kind of understand the world of lyrical dance in the show. Damn Yankees, I was like, it's sort of a kitchen sink drama for, like, the first third, right? And then it becomes, like, set on a baseball pitch, but then also we're in hell. So then there's sort of these random moments of choreography, and I found myself, in a way that I haven't in a while, sort of, like, very conscious of, like, why are we singing? Why are we dancing right now? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Maybe I'll had play... to do the film also? I don't know if it had to do with... I mean, maybe a lot of these shows that are focused less on the plot and more on just entertaining the crowd probably suffer more from switching to a film because when yeah, there's a plot mm-hmm. that engrosses you, you'll, you'll stay engrossed in your TV that you're watching. But when you don't care about the plot and the whole point is just to like present entertaining numbers one after the other, it's much easier to check out and be like, well, since the plot doesn't matter, I might as well just start looking at my phone. And then once you've started doing that, you're lost. You're completely lost. Okay, continue. What yeah. are we going to play? Um, we'll play a little bit of whatever Lola wants just to finish okay. off the Gwen Verdon set. I mean, this is the most famous song in the show, I would say. Mm-hmm. This is when she's seducing baseball player Joe. Whatever Lola wants, Lola gets. And little man, little Lola wants you. Make up your mind to have no regrets. Recline yourself, resign yourself, you're through. Yeah, so it's not actually a good song. Yeah, okay, so this reminds me, I do think, like, there's some, we need to mention, like, there's, like, a weird accent that Lola puts on. It feels like it's supposed to be her pretending she's, like, Latinx or something. Yes. Yeah. It's oh, that's a, how you pronounce it? I thought it, I thought it was Latinx. Oh, no, Jeremy, not this. Latinx. No one said it out loud to me. I've never I mean, heard okay, it said out loud. Heard. Um, no, I'm here, for, I'm here for us learning this together. Um, yeah. I mean, I know what it means. 
No, that's good. And that's a great start. <laughs> okay. Now yeah, I know. What next? Now you know. Okay. This is great. This is better when you were trying to justify saying Lutellen for a full episode. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I wasn't going to bring it back up, but you did, and I still... I did. I'm sorry. I dredged it I up. Love that she, I like that she calls him Lutellen. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Okay, we don't have to talk about it anymore right now. Um, but, yeah. yeah, the point being, I just, I don't know, it seemed really unnecessary and weird, and I don't know that was why that... I mean, yeah, it just, that, that particular detail didn't hold up particularly well. Yeah. 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 I don't know if there's much yeah, else this, to even say about it. I've been saying a lot of good stuff about this movie slash musical. And like, again, it's, it's a lot of it's that I was just so pleasantly surprised. But like thinking back sure. on like the actual two hours I was watching it, I was like <laughs> paying attention, not even to my phone, because I was taking notes for the podcast and like reading mm-hmm. the Wikipedia page. So I was like paying very little attention and doing stuff like researching the show that I would have had to do anyway. And then like mm-hmm. every now and then something fun would happen on screen. I would pay attention and then I would stop mm-hmm. paying attention when it got boring. So I only remember the parts that weren't boring, which gives sure. me a falsely positive view of the movie that it probably doesn't deserve. Heard. I mean, okay, so it's true that I took some fun notes as well that I might just read to you straight real quick. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Okay, so ready? Here's some just random things I wrote down, no particular order. I wrote uh, the separate beds. Uh, remember how they had sleep- sleeping in separate beds in the beginning part of the movie? Yes, the old man and woman, yeah. Yeah, like, what's that about? Oh, I, have I have that questions. note, too. I have the exact yeah. same note. They have separate beds. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, what's this about? This is some old school shit. Yeah, my, my note, so I have that note. They have separate beds. And then right mm-hmm. under that note, I wrote, this writing team can make a good musical when they're not using literally the most uh, boring plot in Broadway history. <laughs> yep. Um, I wrote down, I wrote, very charmed by the baseball chores. What am I talking about? Is it Shoeless Joe from Hannibal Moe? Yeah, I think so. That was it. Exactly. Yeah, let's play a bit of that. This is the big dance number, just like to sh- have to let Fosse do a big baseball choreo, where like they're all doing like baseball jumping and baseball sliding. Oh yeah. Okay. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, like we've we've t- this is a, a show about baseball with Yankees in the title, and none of the songs we've played so far or the characters we've talked about so far really have anything to do with baseball. <laughs> with so baseball. here, yeah. Here's the token baseball song. Okay. Great. I got it. Shoeless Joe Hardy. Is that what you're going to call him? Shoeless Joe from Hannibal Mo. Shoeless Joe from Hannibal Mo. A little hoedown in honor of our new star. Shoeless Joe from Hannibal Mo. What'd you say his name was? Shoeless Joe from Hannibal Mo. He's going to call him Shoeless Joe. Team is Thorpe, you sure get some wonderful ideas. Oh, I got lots of ideas. All right, if you were deciding... If you were on the fence about whether or not to watch this movie, that probably just convinced you not to. And yeah, not our best work. Yeah. That's um, fine. It's cute, it's though. It, it was, like, really good Fosse choreo in that number. Yeah, I mean, it's really charming. It's weird, right? We have all these, like... It, it, this actually, this number reminded me weirdly of Oklahoma, just in that I was like, why are these, like, cowboys dancing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. I don't know. It was fine. It was fine. It was fine. I okay. also... I have notes from after that about how I love Mr. Applegate the Devil. He's uh, really upset that he had to spend a bunch of money on a costume where he's dressing up as a city hall person. And okay. he's trying to quit smoking, which is funny because he's the devil. Um, and then at one yeah. point someone asks him, "Is oh, uh, Joe Hardy wants to go live at home. He's going to like 
because at this point he looks like a young man. His wife doesn't know where he is. So he's right. just going to pretend to be like a young boarder so he can live with his wife again platonically just so he can like be there living at home. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he says to the devil, is there anything wrong with wanting to live at home? And the devil says, it's gauche. And I thought that was funny. Yeah, that's, I mean, that was a cute moment. I wrote down in all capital yeah. letters, Applegate is toxic. Um, I think because oh, I was just okay. watching the scene where he was yelling at Lola. Oh, yeah, we, we disagree. I also have a note where I say Applegate is literally the best character on Broadway. <laughs> So I think we're not. I think we're on different pages. Yeah, I think that's fine. I feel fine about that. Um, what did I write down? Uh, I wrote down. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know. Okay, I wrote down. I thought the scenes between Joe and his uh, like wife were really tender. We haven't really talked about her at all, so maybe we should touch base on his wife. Yeah. So she just he writes a note when he leaves to go become a young person. It's basically saying like I have to go do something important, but I'll be back. And he just up and disappears without saying anything to her. And all of her friends right. are like, oh, honey, he left you. And she's like, no, I believe in him. He didn't leave me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. It's like I sort of want her to get mad. Also, he's he's totally ignoring her in the beginning of the show because he's so obsessed with baseball that he's not giving her the attention she deserves. And when right. he leaves and all of her friends are like, you should move on, he's gone, I'm sort of thinking like, yeah, even though I know he's going to come back to her at the end, she should move on because yeah. – yeah, I'm he's kind of the worst to her. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Yeah, it's sort of uh, unfortunate. I mean, in the end, he comes through and doesn't want to leave his wife, and then we're supposed to feel really good about him. But it's true that he's not a good husband. No, I mean, maybe he will be now that he's sort of won the pennant, but, like, I I don't think so. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you there. I think there's, like, something to be desired from the husband-wife plot. <laughs> yeah, and then in terms of his character, he's, uh... It's kind of a stuffed shirt. Like, there's not much mm-hmm. to say mm-hmm. about shirt. him as, like, a character. He's just, like, is there to do what the plot needs him to do. And I don't really sympathize with him or care about his plight. Oh, me neither. <laughs> what else? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. It's fun to see him become a young person. Like, that's a cute time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I was really, what else? I, I, I liked... Um, how the devil turns him back to an old person right before he's going to make the final catch in the outfield to end the game and win the pennant. And right. he, like, immediately falls over because now he's an old man. And, like, but he gets back up on his feet and makes the final catch as an old man um, before, mm-hmm. like, running away, before anyone can see what happened. And I thought that was nice and um, a touching moment in a not that, for a not that touching character. I just like that he got to make the final catch when he was old. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, that's like a lovely moment at the end of the show, for sure. I mean, look, the show makes you feel really good if you're an old white person, I think. <laughs> yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, that is No, I fair. mean, that, that's not even like a criticism per se. I just think it's like really appealing to watch if that's who you are. Yeah, like the sort of wish fulfillment of like, like you always said like, oh, when I was a youngster, I could have, I could have been a pro. Yeah. And this it, is sort right, of showing... Like yeah. Giving the person that one chance. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, this is a flawed show. No, I mean, you know, it's also fine. It's not that deep is actually my biggest takeaway. It's like, it's, it's just, it's not that deep. It's it's pretty simple, I think, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've seen that, we've listened, we've watched a lot of musicals that are sort of just comedies, like not aspiring to be Rodgers and Hammerstein level dramas. And of those, I mean, we have seen ones that are better than this, like uh, Guys and Dolls. But in the scheme of things, especially considering that there's dozens upon dozens of Broadway comedies from back then that we're not talking about uh, because they're 
they suck or they're just forgettable. I mean, this this is really this is a really good job by Adler and Ross. I agree. And I George agree. Abbott. No, I mean like, it doesn't yeah. suck. It for sure doesn't suck. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot about it that's super bright and fun, and it's like it's paced pretty well. I would say. We haven't really talked about that, yeah, but like rhythmically, I think it, it's like, it's tight. I think it's tighter than not some of the other shows we've watched. Agreed. Yeah. Um, let's play Heart, because Great. that's the other big song we haven't played. This is from our Broadway Kids album that your parents would always skip this song. Um, <laughs> yeah. This is the baseball team singing to Joe Hardy about how they know they don't win, but they have heart. And the manager of the team is played by the same actor who plays, uh, I don't know if it's a general or a colonel or some sort of superior officer in the South Pacific movie. Uh, but he didn't sing there. He is in this movie, and he does sing. And um, he's uh, another one of those like 1950s character actors who does, who does their job. So I'll play a little bit of Heart. Okay. Now listen to me, you guys. This game of baseball is only one half skill. The other half is something else. This shows a character actor's dream. <laughs> you gotta have heart. All you really need is heart. When the odds are saying you'll never win, that's when the grin should start. You gotta have hope. Mustn't sit around I mean, and I guess it's probably enough. <laughs> I mean, I do sort of like enjoy how like perfectly average his voice is, you know? It surprises me with how decent it is, actually. He has a little vibrato in there. He does. I mean, it's just very average, right? Is that fair? Considering they don't let him him sing at all in South Pacific, so I figured he couldn't do it. But yeah, he really, it's like a good baseball manager singing voice. It's the best you would ever expect a manager to sing. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I like, appreciate how, like, not totally overtrained the voices are in this show. Like, there's something kind of raw and very folksy about it, right? Yeah, there's no one in this whole show who has, like, a super Broadway-ish voice. voice. None of these people yeah. will get cast in Rodgers and Hammerstein, no. except for the two people who were cast in South Pacific, who we've been talking about this whole time. But, um, anyway, yeah, so forget forget that I just said that. No, it you know gives what I mean. me, uh, no, 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 I know what you mean. Um, and, yeah, yeah, it does, uh, I don't know, it gives me some hope, right? So... Yeah. All right, what else do we want to talk about, Jeremy? Do we want to play some more songs? Have we bottomed out here? I don't know. Like, what would we play? What would we honestly play for this show? What would we play? I mean, let's just just rank the thing. Um, Let's do it. Uh, There's another. um, They go to, like, a a club, some, like, Latin club, and do some sort of dance, just like in Pajama Game. Yeah. Um, Another Hernandez Hideaway moment. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Unfortunate. Yeah, let's let's rank it. Let's do it. Um, Yeah. Okay, um, and don't and everyone after this. Don't worry. Next episode is West Side Story, followed by Music Man, followed by Sound of Music. So we're there. We've we've really made we're there. it. We really have. Yeah. And you know, sometimes you gotta pass through some damn Yankees on the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, right. so I guess first we're just gonna give it a score from one to ten on was it important? Great. Did this affect Broadway or America or anything? How important was this musical? I I have a score in mind. Me too. Okay, what's yours? Uh, I'm going to give it a two. That was what I was going to give it as well. Yeah, I was no on the offense, fr- but, you know. Yeah, I was on the fence between one and two. My first thought was one because I literally can't think of a way this impacted anything, but I feel like a one should be reserved for, like, maybe something that, like, really does not impact, like, which, uh, maybe that yeah. was, but whatever. Two is safe. No one's going to, like, no, get upset. No, I feel upset. like it, it at least held up the mantle, right? Yeah, yeah. 
I guess yeah. it was okay. experimental in its like weird high conceptness. Yeah, did I don't he, think, so did people think it was high concept at the time? Like, is that true? I, I don't know. I mean, uh, we could look at the reviews. Well, let's say well, if we think it was good or is good, and then I'll read the reviews okay. from the time because I have that open. So now we're going to rate it on was it good? Compared only to the musicals that had come out before it, how good was this musical in our opinion? Okay. I'm going to give it a 5. Okay, and I'm giving it a 5.5. I thought about 5.5. Okay, cool. Yeah, I wanted to give it, like, above half, but I didn't want to give it a score that would be described as good. Great. Um, so, yeah, we're basically on the same page so far. Yeah. Now, la- yeah. Last okay, up, go is it good? Compared to all the musicals of all time up to the present day, how good is this show? I, I think I've got a score in mind. Uh, I'm going to give it a three. That's what I'm giving it. Wow, a rare moment of real agreement between Berman and Van Skyver over here. I'm trying to, I'm looking to see how, if we've ever been this close. For Peter Pan, you gave it 0.5 more than me in total. I gave this one 0.5 more than you in total. Okay, so, uh, all right. In our old age, yeah, we're those, beginning to align, I think. Those, yeah, those are our two closest. Uh, My Fair Lady, I gave it one more point than you, but within 0.5, it's only happened for this and Peter Pan, so we're, mm-hmm. we're on the same page here. Yeah, I think, so, uh, uh, I feel good about this. So that gives it a total score of, uh, let's see, 20.5, which puts it second to last, <laughs> only, only ahead of its uh, its older brother, Pajama Game. That's interesting, because I didn't hate it as much as other things, but I do think the no. fact that it wasn't particularly innovative did it in. Yes, that did it in, exactly, because we, yeah, the, the low score, these are some of the lowest scores we've ever given on Was It yeah. Important? interesting it is interesting how this shakes out because like it's not really objectionable you know yeah like i feel like it's too low like it's losing to peter pan and kiss me kate and we hate kiss me kate Mm -hmm. but we had to give it like acceptable scores for wasn't important yeah hmm okay this is interesting well okay hit me with those reviews now that we've sort of parsed this out a little oh good point okay and i haven't read these yet so this is gonna be interesting uh john chapman daily news their battery was and will be. I hope. No, that's not good. It's like okay. So the first review is like saying it's acceptable, basically like good, but not like outstanding. Robert Coleman of the Daily Mirror says the new song and dance Sakaru. We predict damn Yankees will become a great national entertainment. Lewis Funk of the Times a sh- as shiny as a new baseball and almost as smooth. As far as this umpire is concerned, you can count it among the healthy clouts of the campaign. Uh, so, like, yeah, people are saying it's good. No one's, like, no one's socks right. are knocked off. I'm, I'm failing to see anyone here whose socks are knocked off, but I'm also not seeing anyone say it was bad. So it seems like they sort of feel the same way we do. Yeah, I mean, again, also just echoing to what I said earlier to, like, to tonight, like, it just, I don't know, it to me really speaks to, like, we were in a different time in terms of how we approached musical theater, and so, like, it was just, like, a passable, palatable romp, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, well, oh, and because we, I'm also sort of keeping that running tally of um, scores, if you take their run into account. Sure, um, great. So this gets a run score of 5 out of 10 because it had run for about half as long as the longest running show of all time at that point. Mm. Um, and that takes it up to, if you add in its run, the adjusted score is 25.5, 
which puts this, instead of being second to last place in the adjusted rankings, it's third to last place and passes Peter Pan, which I think is appropriate. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. All right. All right. So, yeah, that's that. There we are. Damn Um, Yankees, y'all. Damn Yankees, we did it. Um, Next up is our fave West Side Story. But before then, be sure to subscribe to Broadway Binge on any podcast app, and you'll get each episode when it comes out. You can also find our episodes on broadwaybinge.podbean.com. And on broadwaybinge.podbean.com, we also have a link to our Broadway Binge Listen Along Spotify playlist where you can hear all the songs we're talking about at length. Uh, We also just made a Spotify playlist for our... Uh, Hannah and I are in the midst of song (laughs) rankings. We're ranking our top favorite musical theater songs and honorable mentions. There is a Spotify playlist with those. Um, You can find the link to it in the description of each of our episodes, part one and part two. Part two hasn't come out yet at the time of recording, but it's a two-parter, uh, two-part mini-sodes about our favorite Broadway songs. Find the Spotify link in there. Tweet us at Broadway underscore binge. Um, Hannah, what's our Insta again? At Broadway Binge. That's right. And you can also mm-hmm. email us at broadwaybingepodcast.gmail. Oh, sorry. Broadwaybingepodcast at gmail.com. And honestly, guys, you listening out there, you people from foreign countries, you in England, <laughs> I know you're there. We know you're Tweet there. us. Email us. Like, if you have thoughts on anything, if you disagree about anything we said, uh, honestly, like, send us an email or whatever, and we will respond to you because we'll shout right you out we love to talk yeah i mean if you're listening to this in the future when we're famous maybe we won't be able to respond to all of our <laughs> fan mail but right now we're just getting started oh, so like please like like don't think we're like these like scary podcasters who don't want to give you the time of day if you have an opinion on what anything we've said like we will we will address it so please uh give us feedback cool i, I don't want right. to sound too desperate but we'll do we want to shout out a specific fan tonight jeremy do we I think so. I mean, I think it's your turn, but I'm happy to take it. Oh, that was so long ago. Yeah, because you gave mm-hmm. a shout-out, which I don't think is a good idea. I don't think we should get in the business of shout-outs. They'll get out of oh. hand. Uh, but I, but at, at the time, I did say, um, those out there who expect a shout-out from me, give me permission first. So, yes, Carrie Goldberg and um, Carrie Goldberg and Meg McGinnis, you get shout-outs. Um, Ani yes. Palladin, you can have one, too. All right, a triple so shout-out. No, I'm here for Meg yeah, McGinnis. No, no more shout outs ever. Ever. Uh, famous last words. We'll see how that goes. Um, if you want a shout but, out, you have to give us a comment that you want us to read on air, and then we will oh. say your name when we read the comment. That's a good rule. Yeah. It's a good rule. All right, cool. Well, thanks for listening, folks. Thanks for listening to us muddle through damn Yankees. Yes. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Bye.